Come on, let's give our praise dancers another round. Awesome. Awesome job. Thank you, Lord. What a mighty God we serve. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's give him one more round of applause. What a gift. What a blessing. Well, good morning, Kingdom Embassy. Good to be uh, with you once again. This is actually uh, my third opportunity in the pulpit, and so I've, I've been to preach two other times and want to uh, just thank uh, Pastor Arthur Durham for the opportunity and uh, First Lady uh, Ardina, uh, great friends of mine, and I uh, want to thank Pastor Allen uh, as we have come down to fellowship with you uh, on today, on this special day on Father's Day. And I too want to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the house. And so if you are a father of any sort, uh, why don't you stand in our presence? If you're a father of any kind, look at all of those mighty fathers. God bless you uh, on this special day. Also to our uh, fathers online. Not only happy Father's Day, but how many of you know uh, that it would be appropriate to say happy Heavenly Father's Day on this day? We thank God uh, for our Heavenly Father and all uh, that he does. And so what a privilege it is for me on this Father's Day to uh, be able to uh, bring a message. And of course, I want to talk about fatherhood on today. And let me just say uh, that all of the uh, roles that I get an opportunity to play and that I have been able to play at the top of the list for me is being a father. And so I have uh, four natural children and I have uh, countless numbers of uh, spiritual children. And what a blessing it is to be able to uh, be a father in the life of others. And so we want to talk about that uh, on this morning. And I really want to encourage uh, those of us who are fathers and even those of you who are children uh, to uh, be able to uh, give fathers their due honor. How many of you would be willing to admit uh, that Father's Day is usually under-celebrated? <laughs> it's under-celebrated. And how many of you know we need to do a better job as a society? We do. And so that's what we want to talk about uh, on today. In fact, I want to use uh, as a message for those of you who are taking notes, and I encourage you to take, a, to take notes. Note-taking is a spiritual discipline. And so we want to use as a title the fatherhood revival on today. Fathers returning to their place of hope, help, and honor in the family. And so that's what we want to talk about on today. But let's first ask God's blessing over the message that will be shared on today. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we are uh, so glad to be in this place in this moment uh, celebrating this special day, Father's Day. Uh, Lord, we thank you for each and every person that is present. 
Lord, we know that you have a special message for us on today. And we say, oh God, we are so thankful that last night wasn't our last night. That today is a new day. Another opportunity to enjoy life, to evangelize the lost, and to glorify you, our great God, our Heavenly Father. And so we say, Holy Spirit, be the great teacher in our midst. Our desire is not to leave here the same way that we have come. And so we pray, oh God, comfort the afflicted, afflict the comfortable. Allow the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts to be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray and let the people of God say, amen Amen and amen. Let me uh, first read our text uh, for the message uh, on today, a text that may be common to some. Uh, The book of Malachi, chapter number 4. And I want to read into your hearing verses uh, 5 and 6. Malachi is an interesting book in that uh, it is uh, the absolute last book of the Old Testament, if you've been paying attention. Uh, And uh, chapter 4 and verses 5 and 6 are actually the final words spoken uh, in the Old Testament. In fact, after Malachi, 400 years pass. Before God speaks again in the New Testament through John the Baptist. And so this is a very important word uh, for many reasons. Malachi 4, 5 and 6, and it reads, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn, get this now, he shall turn the heart of of the fathers, this is Father's Day, to the children, in the heart of the children to the fathers, don't miss this now, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. What a, what a prophetic word uh, to end the Old Testament with, a word on family, a word about family, a word about fatherhood. And let me just lift up this whole idea that he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. The idea there with heart is one that God will turn the commitment and the love of fathers and children to one another and not away from one another. And so as you think about heart, the idea with heart is one of commitment. The idea of heart is one of love. And so we want to talk about on today uh, what that means, how God will do that. Because how many of you know that in the times in which we live, we need heaven to move on behalf of families. I have come to the conclusion, get this now, that unresolved Fatherhood-related issues is the primary culprit for the broken, dysfunctional family and people of the world. Our relationship with our human fathers and heavenly fathers, get this now, is foundational to all of us being hopeful, being healthy, 
and being happy. We need a fatherhood revival to reverse the curse of the disabled and dysfunctional and damaging families in which many of us live. And let me just say this. On today, I want to be both challenging and encouraging. Because how many of you know our fathers need to be encouraged? It's not easy being fathers, uh, particularly in the times in which we live. But also, as fathers, we need to be challenged. And so I don't want to give us one of those, I'm okay, and you're okay, and all of us are okay. Because the truth of the matter is, is that our families are hurting, people are hurting a lot, and we need God to move, in particular, in terms of the family, in the lives of fathers. And so today, we want to talk about how it is that God can help us to deal with our, get this now, unresolved fatherhood issues. Too many of us are blaming our personal uh, issues on this, and we're blaming them on that. And the truth of the matter is, there's some things that we need to better understand. There's some things that we need to take a look at in terms of our life so that we can be the families, we can be the followers of Christ that God has called us to be. We need a revival. Now, real quickly, here's what I want to do in my message on today. I want to answer what I call the big questions of today's message. And here's what they are. Number one, what is the fatherhood revival? Number two, why do we need a fatherhood revival? And then number three, we want to end on a very practical note. How do we spark a fatherhood revival? How many of you know we need a revival? We need the Lord to move. And so we're going to talk about what that looks like on today. Let's start with our first question. What is a fatherhood revival? Again, going back to Malachi chapter 4, Malachi describes the fatherhood revival as, get this now, God turning the hearts of the father and children back to one another. God helping us to be more committed. God helping us to be more loving to one another. Because many of us, unfortunately, we're doing our own thing. And we've allowed ourselves to come to a place in life where life is about us. Not God. Not the family. But for many of us, top of mind is what makes me happy. And what is it that I want? But we were created to serve one another. And we need to get back to that as a thought. And so the fatherhood revival is all about fathers and children's getting their hearts right before God. Anybody want to get your heart right before God on today? So that what? Our relationships can be all that God intended them to be. And so why is that important on today? Why do we need a fatherhood revival? There's a couple of things that I want to mention on today. Number one, for the most part, families go as fathers go. How many of you realize that? Families go as fathers go. Here's the point that I'm making there. Fathers must be and do better if families are going to be and do better. 
If, if families are going to fulfill God's will for them, if families are going to be in their communities as believers, all that God has called them to be, it's going to start and it's going to end with fathers. Fathers, we need to step our game up. And I'm not just talking about fathers of school-age children. One of the things that we need to better understand is that we are fathers for the entirety of our lives. Get this now, our adult children need us as much as our school-age children. In fact, recently God really uh, convicted me. You know, as I take a look at my life, I feel like the best thing that I've done and my greatest achievement is the raising of my four natural children. Recently, God really challenged me because the truth of the matter is, is that I kind of dialed it down a little bit when my children became adults. My whole thing was, and I tell people all the time, I got four children, they grown, they gone, and they own their own. <laughs> But God came to me recently and he challenged me. He said, Phil, look here, your, your children need you as much as adults as they did when you were raising them. And so you still need to have a plan as a father. You still need to support them as a father. And so my children as adults need as much support from me as they did when they were younger. Maybe not as much protection. But they still need my support. In fact, uh, on Friday, because I wasn't going to be home for Father's Day, uh, I celebrated. I have twin daughters, and so I celebrated with one of my twin daughters. I went over to the house, and uh, she had both of my grandchildren there, and I had an opportunity to just spend time with them and to love on them and to hold them. And again, I was just reminded, I'm proud of my daughter. But being a mother is not easy, and she still needs her dad there so that she can lay her head on my shoulder, so that she can share the burdens of her life with me. And so I can't be off doing my own thing and forgetting about my children. And so for the most part, families go as fathers go. Here's the second reason why we need a fatherhood revival. Too many fathers are subpar or below God's standard. Can we be honest on, on, on today? Many of us, and you know, sometimes we like to use excuses, right? Well, you know, I didn't have a father, right? And so, but many of us are subpar and we are below standard in our, in our fatherhood. And so we need to pray and we need to cry out, Lord, center revival, get this and let it start with me. Let me take my fatherhood game to the next level. So that I can help others to take their fatherhood game to the next level. Now, real quickly, here's what I mean by subpar. Sub means below. And par, I want to use just briefly as an acronym. And it outlines three important dynamics of a father that in the midst of this revival, we're asking God to do three things. Listen to them. Par, the P stands for, Lord, help us to be passionate about fathering. Help us to be passionate. You know, some of us as fathers, we're more passionate about playing golf, about playing sports, about doing this than that, than we are about our fathering. And so we need 
passion. We need to understand that one of the most important callings that we have as fathers is to protect our children and to provide for our children. And so for those of you who are fathers, I ask you this morning, how passionate are you? Those of you who are listening online, how passionate are you? Number two, the A stands for active in children's life. We have to be active. Let me tell you, one of my greatest fatherhood claims to fame, and I love to tell it to fathers when I'm talking about it, is that raising my children, that I was able to be there at every event. I didn't miss a basketball game. I didn't miss a volleyball game. And, and of course, I was fortunate because I've been in ministry for 30 years. And and so sometimes in ministry, you have flexibility. And I worked for churches who understood the value of family. And so every time my children were doing something, I was there. I was active in their lives. In fact, one of the things I like to say is that I got 100,000 bleachers Miles on my behind. <laughs> I mean, you know, them bleachers are hard. And so we got to be, one, passionate about fathers. We got to be, two, active in their, line. How many, in their lives. How many of you have ever heard this, that our children spell love, T-I-M-E, time. And you know, it's so interesting because like my children, I came up playing sports. Right. And so I played tennis. I played uh, basketball. I played all the sports. And one of the interesting things about my experience is that, unfortunately, my parents were never there. They were never there for the key moments. And so I purposed in my mind that whatever my children do, I was going to be there. The P is passionate. The A is active. The R is responsible in their roles. We need fathers to be responsible. Get this, not only naturally, but spiritually. Right? And so, obviously, as fathers, uh, two of our biggest responsibilities is to provide for our children what they need and and to protect them. Uh, But spiritually speaking, we also need to uh, be there to make sure that we are presenting the gospel to our children. And get this, fathers, that we are practicing the gospel. That's a part of being responsible. As Christian fathers, we got to what? Go to church on a regular basis. We got to have family devotions with our children. That's a part of what it means to be responsible. Again, why do we need a a fatherhood revival? Because families go as fathers go, and too many fathers are subpar. But here's the thing I want to say on today. Fathers, we can do all things through Christ. We can be good and godly fathers, whether we were raised by good and godly fathers or not. And I don't care what your history has been. But starting today, for some of you watching online and some of you here today, God is ready to take each and every one of us to another level. And all we got to do is be open, and God will use us to bring great impact to our family. How many of you agree with me on today? And so here's the final question. I want to end on a practical note. How do we spark a fatherhood revival? I believe that Malachi 4 and 16 was talking about a fatherhood revival. Now, some say 
that in that text, Malachi 4 and 6, that the emphasis there really was symbolically about our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that as followers of Christ, God wants us to turn our heart back to the Heavenly Father. And certainly there is some emphasis there, but I believe that God is talking about natural fathers. The reason that I say that is because in the text, He said he will turn the heart of the fathers to their children and the children to their fathers. We know that there's only one heavenly father. And so the plurality there for me really emphasizes uh, God's priority on family. God is making a statement there through the prophet Malachi, the messenger that we too must prioritize our family, that fathers must what? Put their, fa- their family first. And so I want to just end three things that we can do to spark a fatherhood revival, to change our hearts so that that love and that commitment that is needed, not only from fathers but from children, will be front and center again. So that we can deal with these issues of dysfunctional families and broken families. How many of you tired of always having to say, yeah, I come from a dysfunctional family? And other people say, well, mine is dysfunctional too. (laughs) The truth of the matter is, how many of you know all our families are dysfunctional on some level? But I believe that God wants a testimony in the earth of believers and families that bring glory and honor to him and good to mankind. And that's the idea with the fatherhood revival. Now, here's, what, here's three things that we need to do uh, if we're going to see this. Number one, uh, if we're going to see this fatherhood revival, number one, the first thing we need to do is understand, and this is a really interesting concept to me, understand human and heavenly father connections. Understand what I call the human heavenly father connection. Our negative experiences with our human fathers can prevent or limit our relationship with our heavenly fathers. How many of you have figured out the connection there? Uh, Unfortunately, when I grew up, my birth father was not present. In fact, unlike many of you, I have no memories of him at all. Uh, It wasn't that he wasn't uh, uh, present enough. He wasn't present at all, right? That's one of my greatest regrets is that I didn't know my birth father. And then I had a stepfather, and my birth father wasn't present, but my stepfather wasn't, wasn't emotionally present, if you know what I mean. And so I thank God for him. He was there. He made sure that he provided. But as a child, I had, I had emotional needs that he did not attempt to address. And early on, his attitude was, and he would literally say it sometimes, look here, we put, I'm putting clothes on your body. I'm putting food on your table, so you shouldn't complain about anything. But let me just tell you, at some point, I realized the negative effect that they had on me, get this, in my relationship with God, the Heavenly Father. What what am I talking about? A couple of things. The trust we show for many of us 
is affected in our relationship, the intimacy that we have with our Heavenly Father when we have a rough go of it with our human father. And so we are slow to trust. Number two, the love we feel, right? For many of us, if we didn't feel that love on a human level, often the love of God from the Heavenly Father, it is there, but we have a hard time what? Feeling it. Because we're not used to feeling the love of a father. We question the love of a human father and therefore sometimes question the love of our heavenly father. Now let me say this, for many of us it happens on the unconscious level. We're not aware of it, but when you think about your relationship with God and the lack of intimacy that is there, often it has a lot to do with the relationship that we have with our human father. The trust, number one. The love, number two. And then look at number three there, the honor that we give. Sometimes we don't give our heavenly father the honor that he deserves because we got what? Fatherhood issues that are unresolved. Here's what I'm saying. There is so much that our heavenly father wants to offer us by way of healing and healthiness. And often we can't take advantage of it. Why? Because we have not addressed our issues with our human father. And so the first thing we need to do is we need to understand that connection. And we need to address it. Word to the wise. Let me give you a word to the wise before I move on to the second thing. Word to the wise. Let me start with for fathers. Fathers, we got to understand that we represent the heavenly father in the family. We represent him. We got to take that role more seriously. We got to understand the potential far-reaching effects if we don't show up, if we are not consistent, if we don't follow through on our problems, that's going to affect possibly the relationship that our children have with with their Heavenly Father. So we need to what? Step up our game. We need to get more serious about this awesome role that God has given us as the father in the family. Word to the wise to children. Let me say something to children, right? Here's the thing. Yes, there is a connection, but there is a difference between your human and your heavenly father, and we need to draw a line, and we need to understand that though there is a lack on the human side, there doesn't have to be a lack on the heavenly side, right? And let me say this. Children, let's give our fathers a break. They are not perfect. They are never going to be perfect. And to be honest with you, many of them are doing their best. Can they do better? Yes, they can do better, but many of them are doing their best. So let's show some fathers some grace and let's give them a break. Why? Because it's going to help you too. It's going to help you to let go. Right? And so again... uh, We need a revival. First of all, it starts with understanding. Here's the second one. Let me me move a little quicker here. The second thing to spark this revival. Boy, this is so important. We need to urge, get this now, the never-too-late attitude. The never-too-late attitude. It's never too late to become successful fathers, get this, with God. How many of you know it's never too late? 
You know, for many years, I've worked with men's ministry, and I've done counseling, and so I've run across this issue very frequently where the father is not in the life initially, and then he shows up, and often the children and even the mother will have this attitude. It's too late now. I don't need you now. And we need to remind ourselves, we need to remind others, it is never too late with God. I remember with my oldest son, I had him when I was in high school. Me and his mother were not uh, married, and so I had him out of wedlock. In fact, uh, we didn't even stay together as a couple. His mother wanted to stay together, but it was real interesting. I had my oldest son, and as a result of that experience, uh, I gave my heart to the Lord, right? And when I gave my heart to the Lord, it really highlighted how different me and his mother was. And so even though I, was, I became more excited about Father after God the Father got into my life, also became keenly aware of the type of life that I needed to live. So me and his mom did not make it. And in a spirit of being vindictive, she did not allow me to be in his life uh, for the first 10 years. And so I tried, and she wouldn't allow me to be. But, you know, I kept praying, and something really interesting happened when he was in the sixth grade. He was rebellious. He was out of control, and his mother called me out of the blue and said, Look here, you got to help me to do something. (laughs) Right? And so I was able to enter into his life, and I, I remember well my son saying, you know, where have you been, and it's too late now, and all those types of things, because his mother wasn't telling him that I wanted to be a part, but she wasn't allowing me to be. So he had this uh, it's-too-late attitude, and what did I have to do? I had to keep loving him. I had to keep being patient, and at some point, he began to understand how much I love him. Our relationship began to change And as a result, today we have an awesome relationship. It's never too late. See, see, we got to have an attitude. It's never too late to be a successful father. Maybe you didn't have a father and maybe you wasn't in your life, children, uh, your children's life. But it's never too late to be the father that God has called you to be. Nothing is too hard for God. God does family miracles. How many of you know that? And if you're listening online, if this speaks to you in person, let me say this to you. Here's all we need to do. This is what I did. We got to repent and start over again. Repent. Lord, forgive me for not being there. Lord, forgive me for not being as responsible as I should have been. But Lord, starting today, I want to be a good father. I want to be a faithful and a fruitful father. I want to be a dedicated And a delightful day. So move in me today, oh God. And so number two, we need to urge the never too late attitude. Every time you hear that, straighten people out. Let them know that it's never too late. Let let me mention this before I go on to the next point. Let me mention this. I love this. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. How many of you remember the story in Luke 23, the thief on the cross? Right? Between, uh, on, on each side of Christ was two thieves, and I love the one thief because, now, he didn't live the life of thievery. He's paying his punishment. He's at his end. But in that final moment, he reached out 
to Christ. And Christ said, today you will be with me in paradise. Fathers, it's never too late. All right, here's the third thing. Here's the third thing that we need to do to spark a fatherhood revival. We have to utilize the supplemental support team. Utilize the supplemental support team. Let, let, let me say this, and we've heard it before, but it's true. It takes a village. It takes a fatherhood village to raise children, right? And let me say this. We have more help than we realize, than most of us realize. I'm really speaking to single mothers on this point. We have more help than we realize, but we need to take a different look at fatherhood. We need to see it as a supplemental support team. And I put some categories up there. Stepfathers need to step up. Father-in-laws need to do their part. Adopted fathers and grandfathers and godfathers and spiritual fathers and coaches and the list goes on and on and on. If there's going to be a fatherhood revival, we need all hands on deck. And we need even single brothers who don't have children of their own to be spiritual fathers. We got to take the supplemental support team approach. When I look at my own life, again, as I stated, I did not have my birth father, but I still had a whole lot of father. And I thank God for the members of the supplemental fatherhood team who stepped up to the plate to provide some help for my mother, right? I'm I'm thinking about uh, my Uncle Ron in particular, right? My Uncle Ron, that was my, the father that I never met and knew. That was his brother. And believe it or not, he did not show up or enter into my life until I was grown. But boy, I tell you, he was right on time. And here's what my Uncle Ron did. And he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but I'm so thankful he did. My Uncle Ron did what my father should have done if he was there. And so my Uncle Ron was amazing because he had three kids of himself, and he was a great father to them. But when he showed up, every time I preached, Uncle Ron was there. Every time my children had a basketball game, Uncle Ron was there smiling with a gift in his hand. And somehow, Uncle Ron figured out how to take care of my ailing grandmother, which I didn't discover until he, he, he showed up and took me to my grandmother. And took me to my father's side of the family. And Uncle Ron was the father that I need, that I needed. I think about my youth pastor, and his name was Pat Sullivan, talking about the supplemental team. And so my youth pastor, Pat Sullivan, which interestingly, I grew up in the inner city in a very needy situation. And Pat Sullivan was an Anglo. He was a white a gentleman from the suburbs who volunteered at an inner city church. And he did some remarkable things for me, get this, and for hundreds of other African-American children. First of all, he made sure that we had sports to play to keep us out of trouble. We had a softball team. We had a basketball team. And Pat Sullivan, understanding humanity, at the end of the season, he would do award banquets and give us trophies and give us dinners and invite our parents. 
And Pat Sullivan, believe it or not, he was a father to hundreds of inner city children. His resume is incredible. Of all of these children that he impacted, that he provided supplemental fatherhood to, I remember when uh, I got serious, when I had my oldest son, I started to look at life seriously. And so I went back to the church and I told Pat Sullivan about it. And he, he said, don't worry about it, I got your back. And so I got saved. And after getting saved, I decided I wanted to go to Bible college to be a preacher. And again, based on the family that I came from, I went away to Chicago, Illinois, and unfortunately, my mom didn't provide a lot of support. When I needed to go to school, I had to find my own way. That's the kind of family I grew up in. You got to find your own way. I ain't going way out there for I was away. Guess what? All I had to do was call Pat Sullivan. He came over. He loaded all my stuff up in the van, and he happily took me off to Trinity College and wished me well, get this, like he was my father. Gave me a big hug. Son, I'm happy for you. When the school year was over and I need to come back, and I called my mom, and I said, hey, mom, I need you to come and pick me up. She said, hey, I ain't coming way out there to get you. <laughs> Guess what I did? I called Pat Sullivan. And Pat Sullivan took time off work and happily drove all the way out there, met my friends, was bragging on me, right? Loaded up the van and took me home. And guess what? He didn't just do that for me. He did that for hundreds. One of the things I love about Pat Sullivan is he would call and he would reach out and he'd say, hey, Phil, let's go to lunch. You know, I'm going to take you to Burger King. He thought that was big time. I'm going to take you to, I'm going to take you to Burger King. <laughs> he said, he, he said, it's on me. You, you need two offers? It's on me. <laughs> but you know what? It all set what my father was not there to do. In fact, God recently convicted me not only about uh, my adult children, but I so happened to have Three godchildren, right? I'm a godfather to three children. And to be honest with you, uh, I haven't done all that I should have done because they got parents. And I was reasoning, well, you know, they got parents. But God reminded me, get this now, I'm on the supplemental support team. And so as a godfather, I made a commitment. I need to call my godchildren and check on them. I need to be there at the special events of their life like Uncle Ron was there for me and my children. I got to take this Godfathering thing a lot more seriously. And so as we close on today, where do we start? I want to end with this. Where do we start? Where do we go from here? Those of you listening online, those of you in person, how now shall we then live? What can we do to get this revival, this fatherhood revival, off to a start in us and in others? Prayer, obviously, right? Pray. We need to pray. But look at the next one, forgiveness. Forgiveness. There's some of us here and some of us online. We need to forgive our fathers. Get this. Living and dead. Some of your fathers have gone on. 
And some of us still got unresolved fatherhood issues. And as a result, we have not been able to put our best self forward. We have not been able to experience the intimacy with our Heavenly Father like we can. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And a great start would be to forgive our fathers both living and dead. The highest form of giving is forgiving. You know, as we were coming over from uh, the hospital, uh, from the hotel, Alan and I, you know, we were talking and we were having a great conversation. And one of the things we were discussing was just about the brokenness of humanity, right? We're all broken. Look here, I got issues, you got issues. All God's people have issues. If you don't know that you got issues, you're lying to yourself. We're all frail. We're all broken. And on the one hand, I've been saying to you, fathers, let's step up our game. And we do need to step up our game. But in the final analysis, all we can do is our best. And we do need to give fathers a break. And he and I were talking, and one of the interesting things we mentioned is that obviously what we do on earth has impact on the rewards that we have in heaven. I mean, you know that, right? What you do on earth has impact on the rewards that you have in heaven. But here's the final, here's the final analysis. We're covered by the blood. So no matter how much you mess up as a father, if you got a relationship with a heavenly father, you are covered by the blood. Look here, you can relax. You don't have to be grief-stricken and worried. Yes, you need to be convicted, but there is no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus. You're covered by the blood. And here's the second thing. We almost, we almost had a praise party on this one. Did you know there's no bad seats in heaven? <laughs> and so you may not get the rewards of somebody else, but hey, if you can make it to heaven, you're doing all right. There is no bad seats. And so what is God wanting? He's not wanting us to be perfect, but he is wanting us to forgive others as he has forgiven us. And so as we close, uh, I want to have this as an altar call, and I'm going to conclude with prayer. Uh, for Some of you are here. Maybe you need to come to the altar to forgive. You can stay where you're at or you can come to the altar, but I want to end on forgiveness. If you can be honest with yourself and you can say, you know what, there's still some things that I harbor, unforgiveness about my father. And today I want to give it unto the Lord. I want to let it go so that I can free myself to have the kind of relationship that is possible with the heavenly father by releasing what I've been harboring against my human father. The intimacy that God wants to have with you. You are the apple of his eye. And he wants to give you even more than what you have gotten. He wants to release you to have better human family relationships and to have better relationship with him. And so I want to end with a prayer. If you're online and you need to forgive your father, if you're here and you need to forgive your father, you can just... Turn that over to God as I close in prayer on today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Malachi 4 and 6. We're praying for a revival, O oh God, that you would turn the hearts of the fathers and children.
back unto themselves. We're recognizing, oh God, that forgiveness is not only crucial now, but even ongoing. That the answer from the pain and the problems that come from sinfulness is forgiveness. That if we confess our sins, that you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. And that if we're willing to forgive others, that there is a cleansing, a divine cleansing that occurs in our heart so that we can love and be committed like we should. Extend your hand of mercy, O God, in this moment. And Lord, I pray that you would give us your grace to forgive. For many of us, we've been holding the pain for a long time, but now is the time to let it go in Jesus' name. And so give us your grace, oh God, to be able to forgive fathers and fathers figures who have created pain so that we can really be that new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray and let all God's people say amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. All right, Pastor Art. Just give the Lord another hand clap.